Hey, this is Anna East Eden. You're listening to Hollywood and Beyond with your host, Stephen Brittingham. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, friends and listeners. This is host Stephen Brittingham. Thank you for listening to Hollywood and Beyond Podcast. As host, I strive for meaningful interviews that are in-depth and fun. Please subscribe to Hollywood and Beyond to receive the latest episodes delivered to your favorite listening device. And don't forget to leave a review or a comment over on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or whichever podcasting service you prefer. Your comments and support will help Hollywood and Beyond grow. All of you are appreciated. Enjoy the show. My special guest today, Irina Abraham, is the lead actress in 2050, portraying the very human wife of a video game developer who has sought companionship outside of their marriage with an android. These androids are found at a facility where actor Dean Kane from Supergirl and Lois and Clark portrays Maxwell, the mastermind behind the E-Mates. 2050 is getting some favorable response, and I will be going in-depth with Irina as we discuss this film and the message behind it. Irina will also share her artistic journey as an actress, including a fascinating discussion about the craft of acting and her thoughts on the experience an actor encounters while creating and bringing a character to life. I had a fantastic time speaking with this talented lady. I hope you too will enjoy our conversation. Thank you. You are old school. They're emates, Brooke. And how are you going to blame a machine on the end of my relationship? Listen, you're a fool for thinking that I give a shit about a machine with an artificial heart that walks around stealing human souls. That's the place. And what is this? It's a manufacturing parlor. Sex bots. They're programmed to know what you want, exactly what's expected of them. But they don't complain, they don't argue, they don't manipulate. They just... love. What are you looking for? So who is she? The woman you're seeing. I'm smiling because you fell in love with one of my machines. You're welcome. As mentioned during the opening segment, the immensely talented actress, Irina Abraham, joins me today to discuss her leading role in 2050. Irina has given impressive and standout performances throughout her career. This includes film and television, but also on the stage. She was the lead actress on the film According to Her, a film I am looking forward to viewing very much, and has appeared on numerous television shows such as Blind Spot, The Americans, and The Blacklist. 
she has a long list of theater performances as well, and I am looking forward to learning more about this. It is a pleasure to welcome her to Hollywood and Beyond today. 2050 might be a futuristic tale centered around androids, but the overall theme seems to be very human. At least that's the uh, impression I'm getting. Well, let's find out more about 2050 and this uh, very talented lady, Irina Abraham. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Most welcome. It's uh, wonderful to be speaking with you today. And this film, 2050, which was described during the opening uh, uh, portion of this episode. Wow, I'll tell you what. It's, uh, it's got a very unique storyline around, around the uh, movie, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. How would you best describe this uh, 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 theme and story of 2050? Hmm. Um, oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, it's a sci-fi film, um, but it's not your regular sci-fi film, because really it's about relationships and humanity, and also, I guess, what it means to be human. Um, Is it enough to just look like a human? Is it enough to be able to guess um, the other human's emotions? Is it enough to be able to imitate an emotion? Or do you actually have to feel it? Um, and even us humans, I mean, we sometimes pretend, you know, sometimes we say what the other person expects us to say, what we think we should say. So does it make us less human then? And in our film, the robots, they do exactly that. They imitate human behavior. But sometimes, they give their human partners more than the actual human partners give to their human partners. So then we wonder, well, maybe it's okay to have a robot for a partner if they, if they do exactly what we need them to do and if they imitate that human behavior well enough. And as opposed to that, the actual humans, they disappoint, they lie, they um, pretend. So, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> that is an excellent description. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Of course. So obviously, even though we are discussing androids and, and, mm-hmm. and robots, uh, to use another word, uh, uh, you know what? It still centers around human emotions, like you described so well, um, and the highs and lows involving human emotions. Well, exactly. your character in the film, how would you describe her? Um, so, actually, ironically, I find her a little bit, at least in the beginning, um, less human than, um, than I think her partner expects her to be. She has ideas about what life should be, how people should behave, what they should do, and she thinks that, um, everybody should, uh, measure up to that, to that expectation that she has, including herself. So when things happen, unexpected things, like they do in life, um, she is completely flabbergasted. She doesn't know how to process it. She, she kind of shuts down, you know. And um, I would say that there is a lesson to be learned for her on how to be human. <laughs> <laughs> 
I imagine with that description, yes. And your character, the uh, I have not seen the film, just so folks uh, out there know that uh, it's currently mm-hmm. playing across the country uh, and very you know mm-hmm. going from a, a, in various cities. And um, mm-hmm. so I'm assuming your character is married to a man that gets involved in this whole setup with uh, the androids uh, at this warehouse that this man created. Is that correct? Yes, yes. I played the wife of the main character who at first gets curious about um, this new technological development, um, something they call email. And uh, he goes uh, to the facility where they make them, where they customize them to check them out. And uh, then the story kicks in from there. Well, uh, the the trailer is available out there for folks to view. So after this interview, if you have not seen it, I certainly recommend doing so. Um, I also have clips on the Hollywood and Beyond social media pages that I'm mm-hmm. sharing as well and some photos and some additional information because there's a lot to discuss with this film. It has a very interesting topic. Dean Kane, a very fine actor indeed. Um, he mm-hmm. portrays Maxwell, and it appears that he is the mastermind of um, these androids. Yes, yes, that's his role. He plays somebody who is in charge of the manufacturing house. Yeah. And he doesn't seem very apologetic, at least in the clips. He seems rather proud that he created this. And uh, he doesn't seem to have any issues of, you know, maybe was this the right thing for me to do? Or, you know, am I exploiting people's, uh, um, you know, weaknesses or emotions? He, He comes across as a man that's wanting to do this. Yeah, he definitely does. He comes across as somebody who... um who says that this is not my responsibility. He has this line when he's, where he says, um, I'm a salesman. I only know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what you're supposed to do. So I offer you something. Now the rest is up to you. How you behave around that thing, how you lead your life is up to you. So he, um, yeah, he definitely is unapologetic. <laughs> <laughs> well, that. he is offering Let's use the word temptations, or we could say an experience, however you want to uh, uh, paint that. And, and that was well said by you, that he's basically saying, well, it's your decision. I'm, you know, this is here on the table. This is the offer, but you have to make the decision. And doesn't that mean that ultimately it is the responsibility of the person or, or the character? I mean, if they decide to go down this path, I mean, it is their decision, isn't it? Well, of course, just like with everything in life, we have so many temptations, so many devices that can be used for something very good, but also we can use it for um, things that are detrimental to ourselves. And in the end, it is up to us how we are going to behave around these um, things. And David Vaughn portrays your husband, as you mentioned, and it appears that he is a video game developer? Yes, yes, that's his job, and that's... uh, um, the reason why he is doing a research on um, on emails because see. he's developing a new game, and uh, one of the central characters is um, an email. 
Now, is his character, this is just my guess, but is his character maybe feeling uh, somewhat dissatisfied with his relationship with your character? Is there something missing there? Maybe it's passion, romance? Yes, definitely. Um, We portray a couple who, uh, two people who have been together for a long time and um, like it happens. The novelty is gone, but also um, communication is gone. Um, we are not particularly sensitive to each other's needs, um, and that's what that's what prompts his um, curiosity. Yes, I see. Also, well, because he has this moral dilemma, and he feels that yes. um, finding or seeking out another human um, somehow feels wrong. Yet. Um, seeking out a machine is a different thing. Well, this topic is very fascinating to me. I mean, it has so many um, things that a person could discuss, you know, after seeing the film. If two people saw this film, they could kind of discuss it in, in great detail. And I think that, oh, is, yes, just, sure. that is just awesome. And, and, and that's just a, a, a wonderful thing when a film um, has that kind of impact on the viewer. Now, it is, though, described as uh, also being comical. So perhaps I need to be careful with my description. Uh, is there a lot of comical or um, um, you know edgy humor, or how would you best view that? Yeah, there is some humor in it. Um, I wouldn't say it's a comedy, but there is a, a humor the way there is humor in life, you know? Yes. There are funny people, there are situations um, that can cause a smile, so it's more um, in that regard. I would say the film is alive, and that's why sometimes it can be funny. Um, There is definitely one character who is sort of a comedic relief who always uh, brings a smile to everybody's face. But, um, yeah. But the film has a dramatic edge, doesn't it? That's what I'm picking up on. Oh, um, yes. Yes. Yes, Well, some descriptions are focusing maybe a bit too much on the comedy, so I'm glad we brought this up. I mean, it's definitely got a a bite to it. It's got an edge. It's got it's got something to say, like like we've been discussing. Um, Now, the audition process for this film. When did you uh, first learn about this opportunity to work on 2050? Yeah, so actually I simply applied on Actors Access, which is a website that most actors know very well. It's the website um, that has most um, breakdowns, and uh, we apply for for roles there and get invited, hopefully. Um, To be honest, when I applied, I didn't really expect much to be invited because um, the character was clearly described as American. My, uh, My character's name is Brooke Green. I am not American. I do have a little accent, as you can hear. And so I did have And you sound lovely. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, But I was surprised they invited me. I was happy to to audition. I went into the audition room, and uh, there was um, the director and the writer, um, Princeton Bryan. Uh, They were very nice. Um, I did the scene once. Um, then I think Princeton gave me a little direction and I did it another time. And he was like, that's it. That's her. (laughs) And then we had a little chat after uh, the audition and I think we liked each other. Um, and that's it. I don't think there was a callback. I was cast after that. 
Well, congratulations. And it worked out really Thank well you. for everybody, including yourself. That is very inspirational to me because, I mean, think about it. Actors Access, like you mentioned, it is a um, mm-hmm. service that actors use, an online service to um, casting notices, audition opportunities, and you can submit you know, yourself for these opportunities. That is just amazing that that's how you landed this role on 2050. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't happen often. And um, I think independent films like that, they're definitely much more open to um, to actors like me. <laughs> you know, the ones are without a grand name or a big agent. So, um, yeah. That, that is what I like about independent filmmaking is you are correct, Irina. They, they are more willing to, um, you know, uh, try new people and, and and take some new approaches as well. And I think that's a wonderful thing because there's so many talented people out there, including yourself. Um, no Thank question you. about it. Whenever I see um, clips from your career, I am truly impressed. Thank you. Now, have you uh, got to view the film on the big screen yet by chance? Yes. I was at the premiere in New York at SBA. Um, it was great. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I I had seen it, um, I think, one time before as well uh, because we had a private uh, private screening for cast and crew. And I have to say I did enjoy it even more second time around because I picked up on some details that I didn't pay attention to. And, you know, when you act in a film, you really never know what the final product is going to be like. It's really very hard to guess, uh, even after reading the script, because there is the director's vision and, and the director of cinematography, and then there is the sound. So in the end, um, you don't know. And it's always interesting to to watch a film that you were in. I definitely enjoyed it both times. And yes, as I said, second time around even more than the first time. I host a show here in Cincinnati, Ohio, Irina. Mm-hmm. I used to live in, in Los Angeles, in Glendale, and then Burbank. I've also lived in North oh, Carolina. Wow. And I've visited, wow. at least visited, the Big Apple years ago. So I've kind of right. been all over the place over the years. But Cincinnati is my hometown. And I certainly hope 2050 makes its way to the Queen City because I would definitely be interested in seeing it on the big screen if possible. Yeah, and um, apparently you can actually request a screening on on the AMC website. Well, I'm going to do that, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So everybody in Cincinnati can can thank um, me for that if it comes to fruition. But I'll certainly try. And and if it turns out that I can't see it on the big screen, you know what? I'll wait till it's maybe on demand or some other viewing format. And I'm looking forward to seeing it. And I, I I can't wait to see your performance. And this topic is very, very intriguing. I get the feeling that at the end of the day, the viewer may walk away realizing that as wonderful as technology can be, you know what is uh, even more impressive and meaningful is the human heart and emotions and feelings. Uh, Well, I certainly hope so. Um, I think people, I'm not on Twitter, but what I've heard from the director, um, a lot of people on Twitter were saying that they want an email as well. Oh my, so it may have a different 
<laughs> may have a different absolutely. impact. To which, to, to which Princeton said, oh, no, I thought I was making a cautionary tale. <laughs> yeah, so, oh, as with I everything, see. you never know how people will react and what they will take away from it. Well, you know what? It's true. There are people that would actually take that perspective, and apparently they have. That's very important to acknowledge as well. There may be people that go, this sounds like a, a great idea, despite what might be exactly. uh, seen on screen, that, hey, there, uh, there's a little bit more to this. But, you know, it's very interesting, the different perspectives we all have. One thing, though, that remains clear, like we discussed earlier, the decision has to be made by individuals when it comes to any uh, temptations or in, in, in life um so anyway i want to say that uh, i want to wish all of you involved with 2015 50 all the best and um i'm very excited for you, thank you. and thank you for sharing so much about 2050 with me today i appreciate it of course you're welcome it was a pleasure and irena where are you from and how did your interest in acting first start hmm um, so I'm from Belarus, that's in Eastern Europe. Um, I did act a little bit when I was a teenager. I joined an acting studio, and I remember uh, when I first joined it, I, I thought I was going to be so incredibly good at it. <laughs> and actually, it wasn't quite the case. It turned out it was uh, much hotter than I thought. Um, then somehow the director, it was, um, it was a, a theater for the young audience. And at the same time, there was an acting studio. So we, we had classes, and then we would have shows about twice a year, maybe. And um, the first thing that happened was that actually I was uh, getting typecast. I was getting cast to, to play uh, pretty girls, um, you know, princesses and such. And I wanted to, to be a witch or um, <laughs> to have to play a character that's, that actually has a little bit more depth to it. So I would keep asking the director, but what is she thinking? What is she thinking, this princess? Why is she like that? And she would tell me, no, Irina, don't think about that. Just be charming. Just go and sing and, and dance. Oh, my. <laughs> and, and so I was pretty disappointed. Um, and um, I switched. I switched eventually. Um, I joined um, another theater that was more experimental. There was more dance and, and, and um, we, we sang and danced and there was a lot of pantomime in it. And then eventually I quit that completely and went into ballroom dance, which was, sounds a little random, but somehow it made sense to me. Um, and the reason why was because the second theater I joined um, actually had a very rough atmosphere. There, were, there was a very large ensemble. It was very competitive. Um, you had to be on top of, um, of everything at all times. If you got sick one day, your part, the song you were singing, the, the dance number you had would be gone to somebody else. Oh, my. So after performing with them for about a year, and we, we traveled a little, we went to Germany, um, Belgium, I think, and um, performed a lot in our native city in Gommel, where I'm from. Um, and I kind of burned out with them. I just couldn't take the that atmosphere that they had in that ensemble. It was very particular. They were kind of like a family, but also... Um, it was tough love. <laughs> so, I bet. Yeah, so I, I, I left uh, that place, and then I eventually left that, my city, and I went to the capital, Minsk, uh, to study, not acting, something else. And then I was with, visiting the U.S., and so happens that my university back home got shut down um, by the government. 
it was for political reasons. We have a, a bit of a um, a regime back in Belarus with a kind of a dictator, whoever they call the last dictator of Europe. So um, I actually got transferred to an American university here, um, and I graduated. Um, and then I went to acting school. And actually, I went to acting school simply because I wanted my visa extended. I have to be honest. Okay. <laughs> and it seemed, it seemed like it was the most accessible option. It wasn't very expensive. Um, and uh, I and you had a little bit of a background in it. You had a little bit of experience. Yeah, I did a little bit of it. And I was actually interested in directing by then. So I, um, I went to HB Studio for that purpose to simply just stay here a little longer and see what happens. And then somehow um, I started to like acting, even though I really didn't like it at first. I didn't like actors. <laughs> I thought they were too pretentious. They talked about about headshots and agents a little too much. And um, and then I, I got a role in The Seagull, which was our school production with the director, Alexei Burago, who now runs the Russian Arts Theater in New York. Um, and uh, that was the first role that actually made me think, wow, actually, I think I like that acting thing. That was interesting. And uh, then I got cast in According to Her, shortly after which is a another feature film that i was in and that was very interesting as well it looks so good looks very very interesting yes i i find it very good actually the director estelle artus is a very um talented person definitely a visionary um who knows very well what she wants um just like princeton and um yeah so that's how so it was a journey for you. I mean, life is a journey, and so is artistic, um, you know, careers and experiences. And it looks like it uh, It just took a while for you to really, you know, get that feeling, like th- that feeling you have inside where like, oh, yes, creating a character is, is, um, is a beautiful thing, a beautiful experience. But it sounded like that's what you wanted to do in the beginning, and you were kind of being steered in a different direction, unfortunately. Um, yes, that's true. I also, I guess I've always been a person who, um, tried many different things. So when I was a teenager, that was one of the many things I did. I was in a band. I sang, I danced. What kind of band was that? I mean, literally. (laughs) What kind of band? Oh, it was just a a girl band, really. It was just (laughs) like five or six girls, you know, in high school. We didn't know whether we wanted to be Spice Girls or ACDC, honestly. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) So you had a a wide range of music, I guess, huh? (laughs) We just we just wanted to be on stage. We were trying things out, and it was um, it was interesting. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know acting. Acting is something that um, I enjoy. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. I have to be honest about that because I think a lot of actors would agree that it, it can be a very tough profession. Not just because of the way the industry works, but also about because of um, what it actually means to create a character and to play a character on stage and or on film. And, you know, it can be painful for a lot of people. Just even I was just at a rehearsal a few days ago with a um, very good actress um, and a friend of mine. And 
um, she was rehearsing her scene. And then at some point she just started crying and couldn't stop, couldn't get through the scene. And I had had, interestingly enough, similar experience just a, a week or two before that. And, you know, sometimes you wonder why <laughs> do I have to say the words of other people and why do I have to feel <laughs> those feelings that are not even mine? <laughs> So immersing yourself into a character, it, it can be an exhausting experience, especially if you truly, sincerely care of, of giving the best and most realistic performance. It can be an exhausting experience, as you're describing. It can be. And it's, you know, it doesn't have to be. There are a lot of techniques out there, and we're not all method actors. I, I'm not really for method acting, even though I understand how um, it might work out for people. But it's a very fine line. It is very hard. We are dealing with our emotions. And even if we are imagining something in the moment, but something happens to our emotional bodies or even just our physical bodies in that moment, that even though our brain knows that this is not really happening, but I feel like our emotional body and our physical body, they don't. You know, they, they feel what they feel the same way they would have felt that in an actual situation and that can be exhausting and sometimes you don't feel it in the moment you feel totally fine and then you find yourself like depressed for the next few days for no reason because actually did do something to you you know so it's It's like a transition isn't it because with my own acting experience irena i often um have experienced you know it it takes a, a few days for the character to kind of leave me I'm still feeling thoughts right. and emotions, but I'm also trying to now move forward and return to myself fully because the production's done. And yet I'm still kind of in that kind of in that semi lingering phase where you're still feeling things and, and you've described yeah. it so well. Yeah, but that you know, that's interesting you say that. I'm sure that happens as well. Actually there are some characters who I wish stayed with me a little longer. Um, last year, I, I played this character with the Blessed Unrest Ensemble. Um, Blessed Unrest is a, an experimental theater company in New York. They're really wonderful. Whoever is listening, please check them out. They are amazing people and do wonderful theater, I think. So I was very lucky to join their ensemble. I auditioned and winded up being in one show uh, last year in February. And my character... Uh, was this very um, confident, flamboyant um, woman who I wouldn't say that I am in real life. (laughs) But I really enjoyed playing it. And I thought, wow, well, next time I need this confidence, I just have to summon Anna. I just have to be like her, like that. (laughs) The way she swings her hips, her voice is lower than mine and... Um, so yeah, some, some, sometimes it can be good, right? They yes, teach you something, yes. And, and the curtain call, y- you know this, Irina, mm-hmm. when you have that curtain call and there's people, like if you get a standing ovation or an extended applause, <laughs> that feeling can stay with you. For, I mean, you feel over the moon, don't you? Oh, uh, you know, I Or how do know. you feel? Do you have a different response? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of feel that, you know, being in a play um, is just such a wide array of emotions. It's just that, to be honest, I usually just can't wait to go hide in my dressing room. Once it's I, all see, done. I see, I <laughs> see. 
So um, it's nice, but uh, interacting with the audience afterwards is, is, is actually a lot of actors I know um, have a hard time with it because once you're you're done, like you say, the character is maybe still lingering around. You're still yes. thinking what you did wrong, what you did right, and you know, as an actor, you're almost never sure that you did everything right. You think, oh my god, I messed up this, and how come this feeling ran away from me, or that line didn't really sound right or didn't ring true and you know you're in your world of <laughs> critiquing yourself and etc and then you have to do it all over again the next night so you just kind of want to at least I, I know I do just want to kind of hide and leave that's true you have those thoughts that go oh wait a minute that one moment I should have uh, said it a little bit more stronger or that other moment I turned the wrong way a little bit so you have all that going through your mind yet you're trying to smile and speak with the audience it's it can be very tricky absolutely yeah now have you met or worked with actors who knows you might be this actress yourself but i'll be very interesting to f to find out have you worked with actors who minutes before uh, a take is about to occur right you know it's getting ready mm -hmm. to happen um it's going to be just a, a, the next minute or less do you if someone would say something to that person are they already in character fully and they're like they would respond as their character or have you worked with a lot of actors that just kind of like to flip the switch when, when he says action, the director, mm -hmm. just, they're in character then. Or have you worked with some actors? I know that there are some actors that like to get into character long before a take. Right. What has your experience yeah. been like with that? Yeah, the kind of method. You know, I haven't met people like that, um, actually. I see. I, <laughs> I kind of feel most people I know, and maybe because they work with um, Michael Chekhov technique and a lot of... Um, Things that really actually do click into place. Um, yeah, no, they don't. I, I know I need a little bit um, of time to concentrate. I don't necessarily enter the character ahead of time, but I just need to get focused in my mind, um, find whatever it is I need in my body that has to do with the character. Um I actually have met the opposite where actors would just chit chat and, and joke away <laughs> all the way until they say action. And I actually, I do find that a little annoying because yes, I'd rather um, be in the character before than, than, you know, distracting away and then snapping back, snapping into the scene because I'm not like that. I definitely need I'm not either. quiet time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like, I mean, I at least have to have, I mean, at least give me 30 seconds so I can just center my thoughts, yeah. you know? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, so th that that that's great. Now, I often tell people, Irina, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. So you have brought up such a wonderful and important topic, and that's creating a character and all that goes mm -hmm. along with it, and, and and the tool it can take on an actor that maybe mm -hmm. audience members just don't realize, at least a certain portion. Mm -hmm. I often tell people that anybody can pretend, at least for the most part. But not everybody can act, and I think that's what the what we're discussing is the difference. Is uh, uh, some people think that acting is pretending, but you and I know. And while I think there are actors that do take that approach, they they just take mm -hmm. it as well. I'm just pretending. An actress like you, Irina, that wants to bring something to the role, you know, it's much more than just pretending, don't you? 
Oh, for sure. I actually don't think I even know any actors who pretend because... Well, that's good. I mean, once you go into acting school or even just get some acting gigs, you see that pretending is just not going to get you anywhere. You have to believe in it yourself. So I find that when you act, you actually are at your most honest, um, even than just in real life. And yeah, definitely a lot goes into character creation. I'm sure that everybody has their own kitchen, as we say, because there are so many different techniques out there. And, um, and even, you know, every role is different because sometimes you accidentally snap into character. You really do. And then afterwards, maybe you dig deeper and trying to understand, okay, why is it that this is working? Why, why am I this way? Um, and sometimes it takes a long time and you read things and you write things down and you try things and you watch other people, um, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and sometimes you feel like you've done a lot of uh, great things and you did a great job. And then actually the result is something that you're not very happy with. And other times you think, oh, geez, maybe I could have done better. And actually the result is fine. You know, it's, it's really... This this acting thing, as one of my teachers said, she said and she said something in Russian that was very interesting and precise. I'll try to translate. She said sure. it's a kind of um, um, torturous magic or torturous conjuring, something mm-hmm. like that. And I think what she meant is like you think you have all the ingredients for that magical recipe. You think you're adding them the same way you've always done, and yet it doesn't work out every time the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, because there is the scene partner, and there is the director, and then there is the audience, and then there is yes. your mood, and then there is the place where you're at, and then there is the weather. <laughs> there are <laughs> so many things. It, there really are. And, um, yeah, it's very unpredictable, I feel. And that's right, Irina. Uh, that is a fantastic perspective. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, a lot of uh, actors, Irina, listen to mm-hmm. Hollywood and beyond and or people in the film and television industry or seniors. So um, I'm, I'm always uh, grateful when someone as talented as you shares your thoughts on the craft of acting. But it's true, isn't it? Your partner. <laughs> I mean, you can go in prepared, but you know what? Until you actually do the scene with the other person or persons, individuals, you know, that can, uh, their response can change everything. And you might not have even anticipated that. Absolutely. Now, do you prefer the stage over the film or is it equal? Hmm. Mm. It's very different um, for me. It feels different. Um, it's just the, the feeling itself. I like the stage a lot because of how we repeat things. You know, sometimes people say, oh, mm-hmm. isn't it annoying? Or how do you guys do it? You have to do the same thing over and over again. But really, first of all, it's not the same. You know, it's, it's not the same thing over and over again. There is always something different. And another thing is that it's almost like if you had a favorite moment in life, and instead of living it just once, you actually got to live it several times. You know, mm. really, really dig into it and appreciate it. And that's how I look at theater or takes in film. 
I think, wow, this is amazing. I've already done all that yesterday. This is total deja vu, <laughs> but I'm doing it today again. <laughs> it's a reincarnation. <laughs> it's a reincarnation, exactly. Um, and, you know, and you still hope that things will work out a certain way. And, of course, they don't for your character because the, the plot line is always the same. But you kind of um, start over again. It's like, um, oh, my God, what's the film about the day that keeps repeating itself? Oh, oh Groundhog that? Day? Yes, thank you. Yeah. I had oh, that's the best in my thing. mind, but not. But you know, of course, you yes. were frustrated with it at some point. But um, it's uh, it's a beautiful thing. And with film, I think that with film, uh, the thing that's very interesting is that um, because there is no audience, and even though yes, the camera is watching you, and you know there is the director and the crew. But I always had this feeling that once they say action, kind of the whole world disappears, really. And, and you are in this, like, very heightened, bright reality that, is, that feels much more real than your everyday reality. So it's, it's interesting. It sure They both is. have something, yeah. They both have something. And I, I love both equally, uh, either doing it or uh, viewing. I will tell you this. I love mm -hmm. a film that when you're done watching it, you know those films, and you know, um, according to her, it, it, I mean, just based on the trailer, I, I get the sense mm -hmm. it might be this kind of film. But I love those films where afterwards I'm like, you know what? I just went through this emotional experience, and it just kind of lingers with me. Like, like I, it's mm -hmm. like a moment of time. So maybe the film ends in a way where it just leaves you with some thoughts, things to think about, reflect about. I think it definitely does, because the director had, um, and she also wrote the script, um, she definitely had an interesting take on, um, it's about being, a, it's about motherhood, and my character is a, a former professional and famous pianist who becomes a mom and kind of abandons her career because she just wants to take care of her child, and then um, things pretty much um, revolve around that central story and the whole dilemma of what you know what status in society means and what's the status of a mother and um, what it means to be a working woman um, or a working uh, mother or working father. Well, the working father is not really because the father is just working. <laughs> so it's a pretty conventional um, situation in the film. But um, yeah, I, I've noticed that people have a lot of um, questions and discuss a lot afterwards and especially new mothers connect to it because they face they're faced with a lot of um, things that they didn't even think of once they have that child, and that's what the film is. The film is talking about. It wasn't music. It was doing music. It wasn't being a musician. It was acting like one. There was no substance. You understand? Does that mean you abandoned the piano? No, no. I feel I've learned something in the past few years. It's hard to explain it. You see, if I had to play now, it would be completely different. And then if I fail... Dead for the music world. Well, I'll tell you what. sounds like uh, some very um, interesting topics. And I'm excited to say to the um, listeners out there that we were talking off air before the interview that um, you, know, you are um, willing to come back and to discuss, according to her. Because I get the Absolutely. feeling there's a lot to discuss. 
Yes, absolutely. That would be wonderful. Mm -hmm. So all the listeners out there will have a more detailed discussion just centered around that film. Um, And I'm very much looking forward to that because I'm having such a wonderful time speaking with you. Thank you. Same here. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And um, always uh, uh, wonderful to to speak to such a talented and bright lady like yourself. Now, your uh, work on television, primetime television, I have seen some Mm -hmm. of your work, some of the clips, Mm -hmm. and I am very impressed. You really stand out in scenes. And you you, you really have, I mean, you have a statement to make with your characters. And I find that very, very impressive. So first of all, congratulations on that. And what was it like working on a show like The Blacklist? Hello, Elizabeth. My name is Katya. You can think of me as the palace keeper. Palace? The summer palace. It's what Mr. Kerr calls the cottage. Anything you need during your stay, let me know. Um, the blacklist, um, actually, the blacklist was very nice. I felt like I was being treated like a princess. Oh, I really, wow. I really started thinking, it really got me thinking because I thought, geez, I'm not doing anything hard. I'm saying some lines. I am dressed and I didn't even dress myself and I didn't put my own makeup on. And yet people <laughs> are running around. They're giving me slippers in between takes. They, they have a, a tank that for me to change into. There is the green room. There is the snacks. There's, I mean, geez. <laughs> That was really, um, and they were very efficient, very fast. There was a few takes and it was done. Um, very, um, very polite, very good atmosphere on set, definitely. And television usually moves very fast. And when you audition, um, you pretty much have to do the exact same thing that you did in the audition room. And that I mean for co-star uh, roles, which are so far the roles that I have played which means, uh, for those who don't know, co-star roles are um, characters that you see on TV that appear and have a small scene or a few scenes with the lead character, and they participate in advancing the story. They do have the li- some lines. Um, so, yeah, those um, little things that you see that seem to be very little are actually a very big deal to us actors because they're actually very hard to get. <laughs> they pay very good money, and... Um, yeah. And they're very important, aren't they? They are very important, yeah. I mean, to us, you know, because sometimes sometimes you literally are auditioning with one word. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> and with it's one funny. word? It can be funny. Yes, it was one audition. Um, literally, <laughs> I think I had, I don't know, maybe two words or something. And, and it can be funny. Um, the casting directors are very nice, and they will say, oh, well, say it like this and say it like that. I'm so sorry. I don't have anything else for you, you know? <laughs> and for the Americans, it was funny. Literally, I think I had one phrase um, that I had to say, and yet there was a callback. And um, the director um, would say, well, can you say it like that? And can you say it like this now? And can you say it as if you like him? And can you say it <laughs> as if you knew his brother, et cetera? So it's, uh, it's interesting, yeah. And Irina, a good co-star, right? Like such as yourself, they're going to make the um, leading uh, actors look even better. I mean, so the productions want good um, guest oh, stars and customers. Of course, yes, they do. They do. They want to make sure that everything is on the level because uh, these little things they can really um, lower the overall quality of the production if it's um, the actors are not are not and measuring about, out to the lead. What about a blind spot? It looked like a very interesting uh, clip that I saw. Yeah, blind spot. A blind spot was an interesting experience. Um, it was moving very fast. At first, there was a lot of weight. Um, I was in my trailer uh, for 
a very, very long time. And <laughs> I even had to tape an audition there because I, I was hoping to make it to an audition for, um, uh, for Orange is the New Black. But um, I, I couldn't because oh. I was still held up in the trailer. And then uh, once they started shooting, um, it, it was very funny because there were moments when I didn't know where the camera was because nobody told me. <laughs> oh, no. That and could I be thought, dangerous well, for an actor. Acting. I know. And I didn't have a mark. I don't know why, but I guess. You know, these kind of shows, they move so fast, and all those guys are such a great team. They, like, understand each other, and you just have to roll with it. You just have to go. So there was a moment when I thought, geez, I remember in the script it said close-up, but where the hell is this camera? I can't see it. <laughs> so I thought, well, I better keep acting. And sure enough, there was a close-up in the end. I saw it. <laughs> so I thought, well, there was a camera on me. I had no idea where it was. Um that was that was funny and the leads um jamie alexander um one of the leads uh, she was very nice and also um the other actress um i forget her name unfortunately i'm so sorry i'm i'm, I'm really bad at um knowing celebrities actually i don't know any of them <laughs> but um they were no very worries. very helpful at some point they went as far as they actually ran to get me um hand warmers because it was very cold and my costume wasn't warm, and oh. they actually really took care of me. Yeah. Well, that's great. And another reason you would want to know where the camera is is so that you don't look directly at it or into it. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. You can't look into it, exactly. But also, you know, usually there is such a thing as a mark, and, you know, they have to yes. full focus and stuff. So I was surprised, but hey, it all works out. They're just, it's a very fast moving environment, and TV can be, as a lot of people say. Well, Irina, I just recently completed um, appearing on a feature film project, and let me just tell you what I do. Before a scene, I just look at the camera for just a few moments mm -hmm. and, and get that feeling out of my head, and then I tell myself, I'm just never going to look at it again. I mean, I'm going to be aware oh, of where it is, but I get that, good. you know, that temptation you have to take a quick peek. I'm like, eh, I, I'm over it, because to me, you just cannot do that. You, you cannot look into the camera, can't even, you know, go there. No, absolutely. Of course, you can't um, unless you're asked to. Um, but yeah, you can't. And it's true that it's a very powerful presence. It's this black yes. hole that just seems to like want to suck you in, right? You know, it's there. Yeah, it's but, you know, yeah. And I think that that's that feeling sometimes propels you to go, oh, just take a quick peek. But nope. Nope, can't do that. Well, yeah, you know what? Yeah. Going going back to 2050, I just realized that I would like to ask you another question, and that sure. is uh, we discussed Dean Kane. Now, did you have any scenes with Dean? No, unfortunately not. And he was shot in L.A., and I was um, here in New York. I see. And no, we did not have any scenes together. So I haven't even met him because... Um, the cast, a part of the cast went um, to the LA premiere, and I've seen pictures of them with Dean Kane online. So clearly they had um, a Q&A session together and uh, got to hang out a little bit. Uh, but yep, I didn't go, so I haven't met him. Well, thank you for answering that and, and sharing so much with me. I've just had this most amazing and enjoyable time with you. Great, me too. Thank you for asking very interesting questions. I appreciate that. It's my pleasure and my honor. Now, our, if folks are out there and they would go, you know what? I want to learn more about Irina Abraham. How would they best do that? Um, they can go to my website, irinaabraham.com. 
even Googling me, I'm, I think they'll find me because... You do come up quickly. Like the, I do come <laughs> up. There are, not, there are not too many Irina Abrahams, I guess. As soon as I start actors. to type in your name, your picture appears. Uh, actress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, I'm sure there are other Irina Abrahams in the world, but I guess they're not yes. actors, so yeah. Apparently <laughs> not. You, you've got the market on it. I know, I know. How lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's wonderful. It is a it is a fantastic website. It has your your full resume. It has wonderful photos of of topics that we've discussed today, and and, mm-hmm. and trailers and clips. So I encourage folks out there to to visit Irina Abraham's official website. Um, are there any projects that you're working on right now that you would like to mention at this time? Um. Well, it, yes, I guess. I guess. Um, I should have prepared more for that um, no so that problem. I could actually give people details. But I'm, I will try and post these things on my website soon. Sure. But I am doing a few things. Um, I am actually going to be doing an immersive um, show uh, where I'll be dancing. And it will be um, a kind of a gallery setup where um, people will walk through um, and see different artists doing different things from playing music to painting to dancing. Uh, the theme of slavery, and um, it will be, I think, up in Queens here in New York. Um, so I will, I will post information about that. I'm also um, having a show this coming Saturday, and that show is in Russian. Um, but so, but it, it sold out. Oh, sounds interesting. Plus, it's plus it's in Russian. Um, <laughs> yes, and uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting. And I'm performing with some amazing actresses. There's Snezhana Chernova, Yelena Solovey. Um, they're I mean, Russian people would know. Um, so yes, uh, that's it for now. And um, I'm, I have some other projects in the working, but they're not yet coming to fruition they're just sort of um you know brewing in the background <laughs> sure sure well i am already extremely looking forward to you returning and discussing according to her which we'll do very very soon great looking forward and lastly um you know what the end of winter is uh, thankfully at least uh, uh, the way i'm looking at it uh, coming to an end although i enjoy all the seasons for what they bring in their own unique manner but uh, i imagine that the weather must be getting a little bit better up there in the big apple yes you know there is some sun and i could even hear birds sing this morning so that's a good sign <laughs> well i just heard yeah. birds sing earlier this morning and um and some of the uh, certain flowers are starting to to bloom a little bit, and I'm like, wow, this is this is amazing. I know it is amazing. It happens every year, and yet we are surprised and excited every year, <laughs> aren't we? <laughs> yes, we are. Just like doing theater performances over and over, it's like a brand new experience exactly. again. Yeah. Well, Irina Abraham, such a, a joy speaking with you, and I look forward to your return. Thank you, Stephen. Me too. And to all the cherished listeners out there, I appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, I've had a wonderful time today, and I hope you have as well. This is host Stephen Brittingham. I'll catch you on another episode of Hollywood and Beyond. Thank you. Send host Stephen Brittingham your comments and questions to Hollywood and Beyond Show at gmail.com. That is Hollywood and Beyond Show at gmail.com. Stephen looks forward to hearing from you soon.